This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. I'm Sadam to our listeners. Welcome to Saturday News number 880. And today we'll be concluding on the talk given by Dr. Ramya Kopinath on the topic of the four Fs. So this is the final part. Let's have a short Ganesh Bhajan, then we'll get straight into it. Swami would like, or am I trying to do the things that Swami has said that he would like, that he values? And I think when we start trying to um, uh, adjust our vision uh, towards that, towards uh, what he wants rather than what we want or we think is right, then slowly we find that our approach to things, things change we find that our attitudes change. We find that our um, journey sort of becomes a little bit different. So I think to me, you know, loving God means um, just to trust him implicitly, trust him, follow him, you know, believe with all your heart, have faith that everything he tells you, even though it seems a little foreign to you, even though it seems like you have to make so many adjustments in your life in order to do it even though it may feel honestly a little lonely sometimes, because when we do the things that he tells us to do, we find that that sets us apart from, uh, from people um, around us or other people that we may interact with. So it may feel like we're sort of, you know, doing this all by ourselves or, or something like that. But uh, he, when, when you take those steps towards him in faith, then he will take, multiple steps towards you and and that journey becomes this beautiful sort of back and forth interplay 
Yeah, it's when, when we follow all the things that you've just sort of outlined as doing, having faith and building trust and doing what he wants us to do, there really are a lot of benefits. And yes. one of those benefits that I really love is receiving his guidance. It comes in a variety of ways. And the question I have for you, particularly in the work, in the field that you're in, where you're working with you know, humanity and saving lives, there, there may be very, you know, serious situations. Have you experienced Baba's guidance coming to you? And also what advice would you give to devotees who'd like to feel Baba's guidance and, and where would they find it? How do they experience that? Mm, yeah, no, thank you. Um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, in my work as a, as a, as a doctor, I am very, um, I'm trained to uh, to look at externals uh, and to look at um, you know the way that a patient looks, the way you know the expression on their face, the way they talk, whether they are short of breath when they talk, you know how they walk, how they you know how they breathe, what their lungs and heart sounds like, do that whether they're having any pain anywhere or swelling. I'm trained to look at those externals and use them as clues to kind of go inward to see sort of what the what the problem under the skin is so to speak so what did it what is it inside that is causing all these manifestations from the outside interestingly you know as i um, uh you know there's an interesting example of how uh, swami put me where where i i was working for a long time but uh when i started working and chose his path not mine he was with me all the time. So I, he helped me understand that even though we as doctors look for what is wrong inside, there is a deeper core to all of us that is completely right inside, that is perfection itself. And that is our own individual spark of divinity, which is Swami inside, which is the voice of God, which is our conscience, anything that you call it, that is the perfection that we have inside. And so when I, when I um, you know, uh, was seeing patients, um, you know, on a constant basis, I would find Swami always with me because he would, um, I, I, you know, anytime that I was dealing with a, with a particularly um, difficult uh, situation, you know, I'm in, my specialty is infectious disease. So we often work in the ICU with very sick patients. And so um, there would be times when I would be trying to make life or death decisions uh, for a patient who was extremely ill. And, or there would be times when the a patient or their family were quite upset, or there would be times when, um, you know, honestly, there were multiple possibilities and I didn't quite know what the diagnosis was. And I always felt like when I sort of did my best put every effort that I could with my knowledge, my training. And then I would sort of, I would get to the point where I would say, Swami, I have done everything that I know how to do, that I have been trained to do. Beyond this, you need to take over, you need to help. And there would always be some thought, something within that would tell me, okay, you know, sometimes I have ordered, um, you know, a certain blood test, for example, based on the thought that would arise in my mind. And I found over time that that would always, uh, always help, always help the patient and uh, help me, uh, you know, navigate that those situations. 
Hiram. Yes, he gives the guidance when we ask for it. Yeah. And, um, with every devotee, we'll go back to now to something that you mentioned a little while ago, and it's something that affects all of us, and everyone has lovely stories to talk about on this topic. Uh, you mentioned about taking that first step towards Baba, and Baba taking a hundred steps towards you. Have you had that experience where it was clear that Baba took those hundred steps towards you? Ah, yes, yes. I can think of a, a you know, very a powerful example in my own life that had had to do with my work, actually. And, um, you know, again, this is this is uh, so this was, um, let's see, after um, after this summer course. So I had finished my infectious disease fellowship. Um, and then, you know, through Swami's miracle, I was able to work for the NIH for my postdoctoral uh, fellowship. During that time, I uh, got married and then we were, I had both my children uh, while we were, while I was at the NIH. But um, when I, uh, after I had my second uh, child, uh, before that I had visa issues, which um, since I come from Canada, I was on a J-1 visa. So that uh, kind of visa, you, uh, you are uh, able to stay within the country as long as you are following that uh, path of uh, scholarship or or the training that you're doing. Once you're you've done that, you you uh, you are expected to go back to the country. And so for the first after my son was born, I wasn't able to immediately quit, although I was able to go part time. But by the time my daughter came along, you know, um, I, I sort of had really been thinking very deeply about the fact that Swami really expects a a, a, a woman or a, when she becomes a mother that that is her primary responsibility, uh, regardless of whatever else is going on. Now, I will preface that by saying that if it is economically necessary for a woman to work outside the home, Swami is the first one to say that, you know, absolutely, that should be done, she should do that. But in the situation where uh, the circumstances are right, uh, as in my case, um, you know, he's very clear uh, I, I sort of really had begun to understand that he was very clear that a mother uh, is very critical in the first years of her child's life. And so I, I finally, um, you know, realized that if I was going to really say that I was trying to do everything that Swami wanted us to do, that this was a very big thing that I could not overlook. And so when my uh, daughter was born or when I was expecting her, I had um, made the decision that once uh, she was born and, uh, you know, by then my, my visa issues had, had sort of uh, been cleared, that I would stop working and uh, stay home with my children. Now, I, I say that in one sentence, but I can tell you that it wasn't that easy. It was, uh, there were a lot of doubts. And I, you know, sometimes you wonder, even if you're doing all these things somewhere in the US, does Swami, you know, at that time, he was very much in his physical form in Prashanti Niliam and in Bangalore. Does he even know who I am or, or, or that I'm doing this because he said so? And so there were a lot of doubts. And, you know, I got a lot of, um, very interesting remarks from my colleagues at the NIH. You know, some one one of them said, "Well, you can't really be that serious about your career if you're willing to sort of uh, stop here and stay home with your kids." Another one said, "Well, 
you know that if you step off the the sort of academic path now, you're never going to be able to get back. And then my personal favorite, uh, which I always remember, is uh, the lab chief next to uh, the lab, uh, our lab at the NIH, who said, well, I guess, you know, I guess it's it makes sense. It must be your culture. Your husband must be one, you know, making you stay home. And that was exactly the opposite. But anyway, who was going to explain that? So I got all sorts of remarks. And, um, you know, when you're in that situation, of course, this is what I alluded to before, you think that you're the only one on that path. And you think that you're the only one going off into the unknown. And, you know, what's going to happen, I'm never going to get back on, on the path and so on. So but anyway, I, I sort of felt that I, I had to sort of do this in order to say that I was really, um, you know, wanting to follow the path. And so I stayed home and it was uh, it was really difficult. But um, initially, I mean, I, I, I enjoyed the time with my children and I'm so glad that I, I did that now. But it was difficult uh, at times because I would always think about what I was giving up professionally. And um, but three years later, um you know, this opportunity to work as an infectious disease physician in a in a community hospital that was just five minutes from where we lived, literally fell into my lap. I was not looking for it because we had kind of thought that I would stay home until my daughter was going to be in full-time school. And so um, we uh, so we didn't know what to do because the way that it really dropped into my lap seemed like something that Swami would do. But yet my my uh, youngest, uh, my daughter was uh, just three. So we didn't know what to do. And we really prayed. And this again goes uh, back to the whole question of when you are taking these steps, you know, for me, and I think many others, there's always a question, does Swami really see it? Does Swami hear it? Does it mean anything at all? And so we prayed. Uh, and uh, it was so amazing what happened next, because that year, um, you know, uh, Gita Ram, that many of you know uh, from all her wonderful talks, was in Prashanti Nilayam for Swami's birthday. And one day, she didn't know all of the, that this opportunity had come to me. So one day, Swami came up to her in the line and he said, tell your sister to come. And so she called us up from a Prashanti Nilayam. Those were the days of the trunk calls, no cell phones. And so uh, she told us this and we were so flabbergasted because we are definitely, um, you know, not one of those that to whom this kind of thing happened on a very regular basis or at all any time before. So uh, we were thrilled. And my husband, being uh, the brave soul that he is, said, well, why don't you go by yourself? I will take care of the kids. They were three and five at the time. Um, you know, go between Christmas and New Year because then I, I'm also off. And so that's exactly what we did. And so I went, um, you know, just after Christmas that year and went straight to Prashanti Nilayam. Swami came straight to me in the line. And I knelt up and I said, Swami, this opportunity has come. What shall I do? And he uh, materialized vibhuti for me. He said, "Tumba santosha, very happy work." And uh, as if to underline that point, he again came to me the next day in the line, materialized vibhuti for me again, and said, "Work." And so um, I, and so the message was very clear. And so I think that when when I had made that decision. 
to just follow what he said was right with uh, regard to my children, he came that extra mile to sort of not only show me that he totally heard what I did, that he had seen what I had done, that he knew that it was a sacrifice um, and, you know, that it was a difficult one. And he sort of responded to it with all his love. And, um, you know, honestly, that's the only thing that that makes all the difference. Yes, it does. It makes a huge difference. And our beloved Swami, who is always with us, listens to all our thoughts. You mentioned, you know, does he see me? Does he hear me? And it's such an incredible phenomenon to think that our divine mother and father and best friend is always there. And, um, you know, he knows what we're thinking. He knows what keeps us up at night. Can you share an example? I know you have a lovely story um, where you were having some concerns about your soon-to-be, your children, where you knew that Baba knew all your thoughts and your concerns. Yeah. Yeah, no, there's a very sweet incident. I'm uh, I'm happy to share it because I think um, that, you know, we, uh, again, this goes back to, for me, uh, having grown up here in the West um, and come to Swami uh, as an adult, as a young adult, I um, sort of always uh, was in the position that many of us find ourselves in even now, which is you you don't know whether he's really there. And as I just illustrated in my last example, you, especially when you're taking difficult steps, especially when you're taking the steps that you think are going to take you away from what everybody else is doing. And you, you kind of don't know where this is leading you at all, but you just do it out of faith. You always really wonder whether he is, is listening. And I think, um, this, the, the incident that I, that I wanted to share is, is, is just, you know, I mean, it just fills my heart with, with love every time I think about it. So when, uh, when, uh, when after the summer course, so after, when I was at the NIH, I, as I mentioned, I, um, I got married while I was at the NIH and then we were expecting our first child. Uh, and at that time, you know, uh, you know, it was a, it was a difficult period for a sort of reasons external to, to our marriage, but there was a lot going on. And, um, you know, we uh, dealt with a lot of it by sort of praying hard and trying our best to hold on to Swami as much as possible. And, um, so, you know, we had, um, at, at that time I was in the, um, you know, I spent a lot of my time sort of thinking about Swami, um, you know, talking about Swami. I was very fortunate to be uh, surrounded with uh, satsang, lots of, um, uh, especially one particular person, Gita, who, who really uh, brought Swami to, to life for me all the time. And so, um, and I was reading a lot. And um, when I, I used to read about these, uh, especially in the old days, how Swami would be so accessible to all the families and he would be part of every single event in somebody's life and uh, how he would name the children and so on and so forth. And so I, uh, you know, we would just, my husband and I would just say, wow, you know, this is so amazing. I mean, imagine, um, you know, Swami naming your children and being 
present in their lives right from the beginning, how wonderful that must be. And so we would kind of talk to ourselves and, you know, like any other parent who is expecting a child, you always want all of the blessings um, of the guru, of the of, of your God on your child. And so we were also sort of praying very hard and, uh, you know, just that everything would go well for, for the birth of this child. And it suddenly occurred to us that, you know, maybe why don't we write a letter to Swami? And uh, in that letter, we will put five boys' names, five girls' names, because we did not know what the gender of the baby was. So we said, let's put five boys' names, five girls' names. Um, we'll write a letter to Swami. And at that time, um, you know, Gita, who's really uh, played a very central role in my life somehow um, through through Swami's grace, actually, um, was going to India for the summer. And we said to her, um, would you please take this letter? This, uh, you know, we were expecting our child in, in, a, in a couple of months time. So we said, would you please take this letter? And if Swami accepts it, then we will take that as a blessing and we will choose one of these names, depending on whether the child is a boy or a girl, we will choose one of those names for the child. And so she said, yes, I'll take it. But, you know, uh, sometimes Swami doesn't uh, always take letters that are written by other people. When, when, when I offer it, he's made a remark to me before about it, she said. So we said, no, that's, that's fine. If, if he takes it, that's wonderful. And if he doesn't, then that's also wonderful. We'll, we'll, we'll just keep praying. So she took it. And uh, when she went to Prashanti Nilayam, the first day they, they went, Swami was already out for darshan. So they just quickly dumped all of their luggage, ran uh, to darshan. And it so happened that Swami called them, the Gita and her family, for an interview that first day. So they had a wonderful interview and it was only after that hour long interaction when she came out that she realized that she did not have, she did not, uh, she had not carried that letter because they had just rushed to have his darshan. And so she, she was feeling bad. She thought, okay, well, I don't know when we'll get an opportunity again. I'll keep it with me tomorrow. So the next day for darshan, she had the letter. And interestingly, um, Swami called them again for an interview. And um, she remembers being a little puzzled by it because uh, they had already had a beautiful, long, blissful interview the day before. So she was a little surprised. So Swami, um, it was a very short interview. And as he was ushering them out, she had the letter with, with her, but she had again forgotten to offer it to Swami, uh, you know, in the impact of his presence. But as she was passing him on the way out the door, he said, didn't your friend give you a letter? And then she realized that, oh, yes, Swami, here it is, here it is. So she gave him the letter, and that letter, we had folded it, put it in an envelope, but we had just tucked the flap in. We hadn't sealed the letter. And so he took the letter, he opened it, he un, you know unfolded it, just glanced at it, folded it back, put it back in the envelope, and handed it back to Gita. And so... And, and of course, they were on their way out of the interview room. And so, you know, she she took the letter and, and came out. But uh, on the way back to their room, she uh, remembers being so stunned that they didn't know why Swami had actually given it back to them. Because as we know, he usually takes the letter and, and uh, you know, keeps it. So 
In any case, as she came back, she looked at the letter and realized that now where the flap had been tucked into the envelope, now the envelope was sealed. And so she didn't know what to make of this. She again called us from Prashanti Nilayam and she said, this has happened. Do you want me to mail it? And we said, no, 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 no. Please don't take a chance with the, the postal system. Uh, you know, please bring it with you when you come. And so she arrived a couple of weeks before our child was to be born. And when we opened the letter, we found that it was the same letter that we had sent uh, to Swami, praying that he would accept it. But now there was one boy's name and one na girl's name underlined. And even that is, is a joke. There's a, there's a beautiful joke that he played because my husband really wanted to know the gender of the baby. And I didn't. I thought it would be a wonderful surprise, no matter whether uh, the baby was a boy or a girl. And so Swami really played along with that because he didn't give us a clue about whether this was going to be a boy or a girl. So one boy's name, one girl's name was underlined. And in the envelope, um, the envelope was full of vibhuti. And in that vibhuti, there were two pendants, two gold pendants. One was a, um, a coin with Lakshmi on it. And the other one was an om. And so we were stunned. We were stunned. And this was, uh, you know, something that we had never dreamt of in our wildest dreams. But uh, two weeks later, my son was born. His name is Aniruddha. That is uh, the name that Swami has uh, had underlined. And it was clear because he was a boy that uh, the Om was for him. So we did not know what that little Lakshmi pendant was for because, you know, we didn't know. It was just another pendant. You know, we, you know, we didn't know what that was for. But 18 months later, my daughter Samyukta was born. And so it was clear that the Lakshmi pendant was for her. And her name is uh, the one that uh, Swami had also underlined. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's one of obviously our most precious memories. But at the same time, I think that any time that uh, Swami also uh, shows his love in this way, he also is kind of encouraging us along the path. Because I think that we all are humans. We all sort of need some reassurance, some sign that he is there. And in all these different ways, now he speaks to us differently because he's not um, accessible as he was in his physical form, but he is no less present. He is as present as he always was. He is just, you know, hidden a little behind a curtain. And so we have to go within further to find him. But when we do that, and when we follow these things, when we sort of pray to him, we turn to him away from the world, more to God, you know, try to course correct all the time so that our path leads to him uh, using the prescriptions that he has given us, then he will, he will take so many steps towards us and, and just uh, shower us with his love. Siron, that is a very, very precious memory and so very sweet how Baba communicates with us. It's, there's so much sweetness and love in all of it. And I know that you now have to get ready for the center, which is starting for you in a little while. So we should let you go. And we want to say thank you so very much to Dr. Ramya Gopinath. It was a lovely, lovely talk. And thank you so much 
for sharing with us all today. Thank you so much, Brother Greg. It's it's really a, a, a delight to have relived some of these memories. And uh, I, I thank you and most of all, our beloved Lord for uh, giving me this opportunity. Sairam. Jay Sairam, thank you so much. For more episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.